Hi everyone, my name is Greg Knight and I like watching, thinking about, and talking about movies. One of the great things about starting your own podcast is that there are some days where you get to actually talk to the creators of those movies. Our series Under the Stole is where you can find those conversations. I've had the opportunity to interview award-winning directors, up-and-coming documentarians, and even a legit Abraham Lincoln historian. So if you are curious about the creative spirit and want to learn more about how artists are inspired to make their passion projects, check out Under the Stole right here on the Popping Collars feed. I feel I am finally getting the hang of this podcasting thing, huh? Yeah. Did you? Did you hear me? I did. I did. You sounded extremely comfortable. Did Did you hear what you said? Popping Collars, the podcast that lives at the intersection of religion and pop culture. I am Liz Easton. I'm your host for today, tonight, whenever you're listening to this, and I'm the canon to the ordinary in the Diocese of Nebraska. With me, as always, are my co-hosts, who I will introduce now, starting with Greg Knight. Greg, what's up? How's your Lent going? Boom, Liz. It's going fine. Actually, it's going bad. Here's what happened. I got in a car wreck. (gasps) Brand new car. Just bought a car in December. Not even 2,000 miles on it. Turning out of a parking lot. Looked one way. Looked the other way. Started to pull out. Bam. BMW right in front of me. Boom. Oh, no. And so now I've got it all scraped up. So now I have to go... Take it to the body shop, do the whole thing. And then, of course, like a cop was driving by when it happened. So now I got a ticket on top of like all the other stuff. So all this is to say that, like, I don't know, something's up here because this is a brand new car Mm -hmm. and I wrecked it. My old car from like 2009 or whatever could never wreck that thing ever. (laughs) Like there were so many times that it should have wrecked and it didn't. And it's just, it's one of those things that it's like, I just can't explain it. But is this a problem for your Lent? Had you given up car wrecks for Lent? Is that why (laughs) this is a real problem? Oh, Uh, yeah. I've I've taken on, I've taken on car maintenance and cost for the season of Lent. You know what? You know what rubs salt in the wound is that I was leaving a dentist appointment when it happened. That's That's how that was a bad day. That was a That's a sign to just never go to the dentist, I would say. Right. I'll stop going. Thanks, Liz. Yeah. That's yeah. Good advice. <laughs> this is a great intro. This, this, this episode is really getting off to a wonderful Bye. start. Betsy Carmody. What? 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 Oh, wait, wait. wait. And I'm uh, I'm associate, wait, associate for Christian formation at the Church of Bethesda by St. Paul Michelin. Yeah. So be careful when you're driving around there because Greg's on the road. Yeah, watch out. Greg's on the road. <laughs> Wait, was it your fault, Greg? Technically, it was my fault. I was, I was pulling out. I should have looked twice. Fun fact: look twice before yeah. you pull out of the parking lot. You are excited about your new car. Left, right, left. You felt and your teeth being cleaned. <laughs> you were like the youth of today. They'll never, they'll no, nothing will ever happen to them. They think, oh, I guess that's not true anymore. Yeah, that's what happens when you work with young people. Yeah, totally bulletproof mm-hmm. until mm-hmm. I hit a BMW. Oh man! Well, at least you're so, okay. Oh yeah, I'm fine. I hit a lawyer too. <laughs> a lawyer in a BMW. <laughs> wow. wow! What a shock! Bad land. Palm Beach, you say? Weird. <laughs> Oh, Betsy Carmody, what's up with you? How's your Lent going? My Lent's going great. I've given up. My my senior warden gave wonderful um, travel talk about giving up distractions for Lent. And I have given up a game on my phone that I play a lot. And I've gotten to like 
level like 11,000 and what like it's like it's bad what's the game the game is homescapes oh and i got addicted to it before the pandemic and then that just made it worse and it just it's figured out every algorithm in me it's like oh we'll give her two free hours and she'll just sit here and do it right all the all the things so i've stopped stopped at cold turkey there's several times i've accidentally opened it on my phone but then i'll like swipe it up and it's gone and um so anyway so that's so that's how Milo's going i'm about to be on spring break which is very exciting for me but one thing that i've I've been doing is i started watching the walking dead again i had given up the show i had stopped (laughs) i know greg's like what and then so now i'm like huh there's like three seasons on netflix that i've never watched and i stopped watching it because amc's app is stupid and so there you go so that's my debbie downer in this there's still a lot of zombies and people are still dying on the show so but you know talk about anyway, wandering in the wilderness i mean there you go yes yes andy owns lots of alexandria that's where i am as the head chaplain here at the episcopal high school so yep there we go wow and yeah. last but not least is ricardo avila exploring lent in sunny california oh yeah hey liz uh yeah i am the rector of saint luke's episcopal church in los gatos california we made it into the new york times for the snow that we had recently uh mentioned that was exciting uh certain parishioners who live up in the santa cruz mountains uh haven't been able to come to church they say uh (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and trees. It's. I mean, not only are the people not ready for snow, the landscape doesn't isn't prepared. Like tree limbs are just cracking under snow because mm-hmm. you're not used to having to deal with snow. It's not been a great Lent for me either. Uh, like with Greg, uh, I was in the ER on Friday. Uh, Whoa! No, I know. a lot of bombs are dropping. We usually take care of this stuff before we hit record, guys. What we've talked for like we've talked for like forty five minutes before we started yeah. this. And I'm, this is the first time. I like All the gods, saving these things. None this of this great. stuff. What, what happened? happened? Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> you um, well, long story short, I'm 56 years old and all these things have happened all at once. So I'm running around with doctors mm. at the Kaiser. And there's a Kaiser in San Mateo where I live, but the bigger one is in Redwood City. So I'm going to Redwood City, going in to get a heart monitor thing because I've been having these chest thingies. Mm-hmm. And I slipped and fell on some stairs outside of the Kaiser Redwood City. <sighs> Pulled the thigh muscle, scraped me. And so I hobbled back in and they said, well, we should take you to the ER. And I got to ride in a wheelchair. Oh. Which was really, I mean, obviously, if you had to be in a wheelchair, it would not be great all the time. But uh, right. it was really kind of decadent, you know. <laughs> um, and so they took great care of me. It was very nice, very sweet. And I heard the nurses and doctors in the other cubicles tending to people, and they were so lovely. Mm. So I made it in, I put it in the sermon on Sunday. Um, But I'm doing okay. You know, I'm almost not limping, and the thigh muscle is kind of rejuvenating. I can genuflect again. Uh, Thank God. (laughs) I couldn't do for a while. I know, I know. That's the test of an Anglo Catholic. It is the test. It is. The first first question I asked, doctor, doctor, will I ever genuinely? (laughs) Oh, my Lord. Hey, you know what? Greg Greg knows a lawyer if you want to sue Kaiser Permanente. Did I sue? Um, Anyway, um, it was sort of a weirdly pleasant experience, although, of course, I was in pain. Um, Mm -hmm. But uh, I'm doing better now, and... uh, Getting, I don't know if you want to know this, but uh, I'm getting a colonoscopy next Tuesday. Seeing, oh. a, seeing an audiologist the week after that for some ringing in my ears. Um, waiting for the chest heart monitor test results. I'm just falling apart. Yeah. This is no, very but listen, incarnational. But talk. you're, but you're <laughs> getting it together. Like you're, you're following through and you're not ignoring. Like Good that's great. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. No, it's true. And I've seen the dentist three times. The first one was yesterday. You know, it really wasn't pleasant. I always come through with flying colors for the cleanings, but I have got recessed gums and another mm. feeling. And it was mm. in the chair for an hour and 20 minutes. Mm. I had to keep administering the Novocaine with the needle in my gums because it kept kind of oh. like, we don't want you to feel yeah. anything. Oh, I could 
<laughs> okay, we're more in. Ugh, yeah. cut that. Guys, I'm turning 40 next week, and this is making me very anxious. You got a good 15 years, Liz. You're way healthier healthier than I am. You are. I don't know. I don't know. Side note about the colonoscopy thing. Yeah. Have Mm -hmm. you seen these commercials with the Cologuard with the box that, like, walks around? I've done the box. You've done done the the box? box. Can I tell you a story, Greg, about the box? So... I, I don't have any, you, you are able to do Cologuard, that we are not sponsored by Cologuard, this is not an advertisement. Um, you're able to do it if you're like 40, around 45, right, you're pre-50, but you, you don't have any um, sort of warning or like family history, there's no real co- straight concern, right? If you have concern, you're going straight to the colonoscopy. So this is kind of an early indicator where essentially they're testing Right. To kind of because mm-hmm. it will show certain things if there's something to be worried about. The box is ingenious. Right. The, you, the, you use the same box you receive it in to ship it back. But they have like this plastic thing that you pull out and you put underneath your toilet seat and you poop into that. And then you pour in this preservation stuff and you get a little bit out and put it in this other thing. And no, no, no. So I you poop in the box. And here's the thing. I live at a school. <laughs> All our mail comes to the same newsroom, same mail room. We all see what mail everybody gets, right? Uh, so I got my box. I brought it back to my apartment. It was sitting here for like two months. School's about to start. I'm like, all right, I'm going to get on this. I'm going to poop in this box and I'm going to send it off. So I finally did it, right? So it was like a Sunday and I put it where our outgoing mail goes. We've had some construction on campus. And so I was like, well, you know, it's okay. It's next day air. They'll pick it up on Monday. Great. You know, it'll go. So I leave the poop in the box over there three days later the poop in the box turns up back in the mail room again Uh-oh. someone knew was working in the mail room and they didn't quite understand so the poop in the box along with a couple of other returns turn up in the mail room and i'm like i can't believe this so i put it back over there i sent an email like oh yeah they're definitely going to come pick it up and then and then i went over to put another return there the poop was still there like two days later and i'm like this sample is not going to be good. And so they fi- and finally, I t- take it then to, to like a FedEx or wherever, send it off. The, the Cologuard people think I'm a moron. <laughs> like, this, your sample was be it past time and was not good. So I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. Do you have to do it again? Much. They send me another box. Oh. So I did it again. And then I was okay. <laughs> I couldn't get it out of here. <laughs> Bell room, they're like, that preaches. Get by. Yeah. We got it. Box for be- we got another shit. yeah here's another shit box for somebody else <laughs> <laughs> yeah I don't want what I'm about to say I don't want in the podcast as it doesn't involve my own <laughs> five hours later. Okay. Okay. Uh, long diversion. <laughs> I have a feeling that this is going to be a freewheeling episode of your old favorite podcast, Popping Collars. Our topic, you know, we're a podcast about pop culture, and our topic tonight is um, an aspect of pop culture that all of us experience in one way or another to greater or lesser extents that is sort of transforming pop culture before our very eyes, but we have never explored it on this podcast. And that is the topic of influencer culture. So what is an influencer, you might ask? Uh, essentially an influencer is a person who leverages their social media for gain, usually to drive consumption, um, from some sort of influence or behavior or view, uh, point that they have or, or a product in many cases. Um, lots of times that involves monetizing your social media platform. Sometimes it's more about uh, kind of social capital popularity, but it happens in all sectors of culture and across um, all kinds of social media. So we're going to talk about influencer culture tonight. I don't know exactly how the Red Robin situation is going to go in terms of what we're going to bring to the table, but um, Greg is shaking the bag before us. So reach in there and pull out a pog. 
is well with the soul bag. This will be interesting. Oh, Liz, the bag says to just keep talking. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, okay, okay. So my only research that I did for this episode was just to watch a bunch of TikTok. Uh, where there are just a ton of influencers, of course, for all kinds of things. And there also is a lot of influencing done about like political opinions and um, sort of social perspectives, which are um, shockingly effective, I've noticed. Like there have been times where, because the algorithm on TikTok is so um, specific, I guess, there have been times where I have found myself watching a video and a few videos in being like, yeah, that's right. That's a good point. Like around, even around like conspiracies and stuff like that, like things that I wouldn't typically mm. be all about, but all of a sudden I find myself influenced um, in terms of just my perspective and my outlook. Now, what I wanted to talk about though, when it comes to influencer culture is a little controversial and we, for us, and we might have to be kind of careful um, in our conversation or maybe not, but I'm curious about priest fluencers or church fluencers mm. um, because they're out there, man. What's up? It's David Michael here. Growing up, I always wondered what priests did all day. And now I know because I am one. So I thought I'd give you a little rundown of what my day looks like. Got baptisms in the morning, be baptizing quintuplets, a wedding in the afternoon, confessions, evening mass, and then a young adult social tonight. Lots going on, gonna be a good time. Okay, it is 6.30 in the morning. We're gonna head to the gym for a quick workout. People say, you're a priest, why do you have to work out? Hey, I'm about to baptize quintuplets. You think I could do that if I had super weak arms? Probably not. I'll decide what to wear. Um, I guess I'll go with the the black shirt with the um, let's see the the black pants. Yeah. Okay. All suited up and ready for the day. Come with me today. There'll be stuff you don't want to miss. It'll be like taking spiritual supplements. I might even baptize quintuplets. Relieved to know I can finally check that off my bucket list. So I'm gonna do most of my for a lot of clergy who want to engage with social media as an evangelistic tool or a way to amplify their ministry. There can be a slippery slope into um, self, being self-referential um, in a way that I think for a lot of clergy can kind of rub us the wrong way when we see it or um, that we wouldn't do it, but it's hard to put a finger on it. I've noticed this is especially true with um, church planters, which that ministry can really be sort of personality driven. So I, I am aware that like... When I look at people who do this, I think they're a little part of me is jealous. A little part of me is turned off. I'm really curious. I'm always curious in ministry about the way that the ego shows up in ministry because it does for all of us. Like understanding your own ego, I think, is like one of the most essential aspects of a successful long-term ministry is like truly getting to know your own ego, what triggers you where the boundaries of your ego are. It's just an important part of self-awareness. And sometimes that feels missing when I see these priest fluencers. Now that I Googled priest fluencer to see like, is this a thing? Did I coin this term? I did not. Um, It's a bigger, it seems to be a bigger deal in the UK. Um, I think Mm. the church of England kind of got into that. And then in a kind of weird way, um, after the show Fleabag, there was a higher interest mm-hmm. in, um, in hot priests. priests. Yeah, mm-hmm. in hot priests. So mm-hmm. I opened that up for conversation. The priest fluencer phenomenon. Have you noticed it? Do you ever feel drawn to participate in it as leaders in churches? Well, Liz, <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you have just set out some irresistible bait. And mm-hmm. <laughs> be little, careful. Yeah. I'm a little wary here. Um, well, and you and I have talked about this before. Oh my gosh. Okay. So I don't know. I don't, I'm not going to, I'm not going to throw out any names, but um, I, you know, I, I don't know how much of this is me. I, I might just be old fashioned or something, but I always, I, it always looks fake to me. Every priest fluencer thing I've seen, and there aren't many, 
they they just seem phony. They do not draw me in at all. They use the ones I've seen use these kind of wistful words. You know, it's it's almost like a seminar on spirituality, and it strikes me as so phony. And so I don't know if there were an influencer out there who was a priest who talked about how they experience doubt and how they've wrestled with their faith or, you know, something that feels really genuine without all the makeup and the glamour, would that be an influencer? And if there were such a person, yeah, I think that'd be awesome. But I've never seen that. It's all, it's all kind of glossy and it's all kind of, Hey, let's, let's talk about your feelings and Jesus in it and all of this. And it just feels like those, um, oh gosh, those mega church pastors writ small. Mm. You know? And mm. um, that's my first, I guess that's my first salvo. I think one of the things that's hard for me is that an aspect of priesthood, especially in a congregation for me has often been about, um, turning the focus on other people, you know, like you're there to receive a lot that other people offer. And it's not like the self doesn't show up in that. And in fact, my ministries, like my engagement in ministry is always more successful when I show up as my most authentic self, like whether that is a goofy person or I've definitely cried in hospital rooms with people, even though I remember in seminary being told, like, don't cry. It's not about you. Don't cry. You know, like, whatever. Yeah. So I know that when I show up as my true self, I can have a more effective ministry. But even in the midst of that engagement, it's not about me. You know what I mean? Like, and that's what's so hard about the influencer thing Mm -hmm. is that it is so often pointed back at the person who is um, the focus of whatever the platform is. Oh yeah. A thousand percent. I'm with you on this list. The one of the best pieces of advice that I've ever got from a priest ever um, was when he said, you know, if you're the hero of all of your stories, you need to get new stories. Right. Mm -hmm. It feels a little ironic that we're on our sort of branded (laughs) podcast talking about like, Oh, I can't believe people put their opinions out there and, think that people give a crap about <laughs> um but <laughs> but i i agree with you because it does feel like kind of what ricardo was saying that you're being sold something and it's hard to understand like what's genuine you know mm-hmm. about what you're being sold and what's not and especially in the episcopal church i'm sorry i i like the episcopal church just as much as the next person i'm sure but it feels like our attention span is like the size of a gnat. And it's like every three months, there's some game-changing, life-saving curriculum that's going to come around and like revitalize the church. And I feel like it's like a bunch of priests who are a bunch of tryhards who are buying into this idea that like, oh, I've got the solution that's going to solve all of the problems. And it's like, no, you're just one of like a thousand others who are going to push this thing. And, you know, two months later, there's going to be another person who's going to be pushing their thing. And it's just like, it's hard not to get a little jaded about it, which is kind of what I feel like we're saying here. Yeah, I mean, it takes me back because like the only time I've really ever done like videos of myself was during the pandemic mm-hmm. when I wanted to, you know, start an Instagram for the chapel and like go around campus. Cause I was kind of, I couldn't decamp from school cause we still broadcasted chapel from, ch- from the chapel. Right. So I'm kind of here on this campus where no, where not many people are at the time. It felt like there was a purpose. There was this necessity like this, trying to reach out, trying to connect um, I do, I feel like that thing, Liz, that, you know, it's like, should I be doing that? Should I be doing that regularly as somebody who's, who's in our line of work? Is this, is this the new frontier of, is this the new mission area? But there's then this part of me, it's like, oh my God, it's so exhausting. <laughs> I just, I can't imagine giving the time that I need to give to the community that I serve. Right. And doing that on top of it. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah. Like knowing the people who probably do it and are really successful and they have people working for them who are helping them do it. 
TikTok people who have managers. And, you know, I mean, there's all that stuff that I, I just, I can't, I feel like it would detract from what I should be doing. I'm sure that there are people who can do it effectively, like for the sake of the gospel. But I also think that there's a dynamic where you become a priest and that doesn't, a traditional priesthood, whatever that looks like, kind of doesn't work out. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh crap, well, I still am a priest. And all, and then you leverage mm-hmm. just your identity as priest on social media for something. I don't, I don't know quite what. And like, I mm-hmm. use social media. I mean, my God, like, I feel like people I went to high school with, I'm sure like, what kind of nut job is this person on Facebook? Because I'm constantly trying to recruit priests to come to the diocese of Nebraska. So that's all that my social media is for essentially is to tell stories about Nebraska. And so I do that. I mean, it's not like I don't, I leverage my social media for the purpose of Nebraska. Am I a Nebraska influencer? (gasps) It hasn't worked. It hasn't worked yet. (laughs) It's interesting how this topic and when I, we've talked about some people, mm-hmm. uh, it brings out a nasty side of me. Yeah. Like I just want to, I just want to claw at them. Mm-hmm. I want to take them down a peg. And I'm, I, I don't know why that is. I think it brings out the self-righteous in me. I wonder if that's a problem, <laughs> you know, because it's really, it riles me up. That's so phony. And oh my God. And I think part of it is envy. Like what if they are successful and mm-hmm. you know, I want to be, I, I, if I could be authentically me and like influence people and get like media and fame, I don't know. I could see, I could see kind of liking that you want to spur, you spurn it because you recognize something of yourself in it. Totally. And I yeah. think that that's part of the issue is that at, there's a part of all of us or mo- maybe not all of us, but many or most of us that wants to be famous. That that's a that's a a fantasy that is implanted in us from a young age. I know plenty of parents who say that their kids, when you ask their kids what they want to do when they grow up, they just say, "I want to be famous." For what mm-hmm. does not matter. They want to be. So we all have that in our ego, and I think like this is what um, the devil tempts Jesus with in the wilderness, right? Yep. Like there is in the church. I feel like there are aspects of the influencer culture, which I do think is transforming like commerce and popular culture Mm -hmm. that is about fame and it's about consumerism Mm -hmm. and consuming. And those are two things that the church stands in opposition to by our values, by our best values, not necessarily by our history. So I think that's part of what makes me uncomfortable. That sounds super self-righteous, but I think that part of me is identifying something in this. It's like, Ooh, that's not that is enticing to me. Jesus calls the devil entices. I'm, I am going to reject that. I'll, I'll talk to people in the parish about like, Oh, we, we could get like this speaker to come in or something. And they'll be like, Oh, are they like a famous person? And I'm like, I don't know. They're like church famous. Is that like a thing? (laughs) You know, it's like, (laughs) you know, it's like the, no, they're not famous at all. They're all, (laughs) <laughs> They're only like notable names for like this small niche of people who kind of understand like this one little thing. And it's just like, you know, even that is like a stamp that people will put. I remember when we started this podcast 10 years ago, chasing this stuff because like fun. So fun story. Um, I was at a conference where there were other Episcopal podcasters at the conference. And I was like, Oh, hey, I see you've got podcasts. You know, I started a podcast. Maybe we can get together and like my podcast can be part of your podcast network and we can do like a thing. And I was told like, no, no, you're like a little podcast and we're like a big (laughs) podcast. Well, their big podcast is dead and gone and has been for years. Our little podcast is keep going. But like there was this part of me, right? (laughs) It's like, it's like, but I want a seat at the table. Mm -hmm. I want to be like one of the cool kids. I want to be like a Mm -hmm. notable mover and shaker. And it's that it's feeding off of that ego, Mm -hmm. that self-righteousness, everything that you're talking about, Liz, like it wasn't about like, 
what are we doing? And why are these conversations important? Mm -hmm. It was about like, oh, how can I market this to be something else? And it's like, once I, once we all gave up on that, like our podcast got so much better. <laughs> so, I don't know. Well, and I think there's something too for clergy of our generation. I mean, like the times when our, when our career started in this arc of the church, that we became leaders in a declining institution and did not know the rate or steepness of that decline when we started this. So I think that there's a desperation too of like, oh my God, like I, there's only so many seats at the table. It's like, but you know, when women don't promote other women because you don't want too many women in C-suites or whatever. That, scarcity. scarcity. Exactly. There's a sense of like, I need to make myself known. Whereas like, I would rather be the podcast now, you know, to be on the other side and be like, oh, come, yeah. Like come to our table, like be part of this. We'll talk about this. Well, topic. it's also wanting the magic elixir. It's wanting the magic bullet. It's wanting to go viral. It's wanting that moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And even though the frame of, of attention is so small, right. Uh, and, and fleeting, but you know, that this could turn it around. Yeah. Can't we turn the ship around? Wait, Greg, don't pull out another tab yet. <laughs> I got something to say. Bro, I just pulled it. Okay. Three things. <laughs> oh <my> God. <laughs> I'm not gonna have anything to say when it's my turn, but I have I know this is gonna be like the whole episode. Yeah. Go ahead. Uh, so first of all, this is religion adjacent. Um, but when I was in Long Beach, there was a guy, I guess he would be called an influencer, gay man, I I got handsome, kind of 30s in Long Beach, somehow in the community, and he would put out calls to people. Hey, everyone, the so-and-so a homeless shelter needs socks. If you all can help out, you know, you can drop them off all, and they'd get thousands. Like he had a network of people that would go and drop off all these supplies. Hey, everybody, we're doing a cleanup day at the beach. Have you hundreds of people? And so I don't know what he did to get that influence, but it was always for this outward thing. You know, it wasn't about him, but for some reason, he was a great kind of conduit for good deeds and people trusted him. And that was something you could do on your own, but he happened to know people or they'd come to him and say, could you put a call out for something? Wild success. And that's great. That I love. Now, if that's an influencer, I mean, it's it's not religious, but it's it's about helping others. Mm-hmm. And so that's great. Uh, the other thing I was going to say is I think Jesus wins, man, for influencer. Of right. Muslim. And right. Like Muhammad and, you know, other folks. Buddha. Was Buddha a person? Yeah. Um, so there. Uh, and then the third thing I was going to say, I have forgotten. But I think it's it's around some of that. You know, I think it's maybe it's easier for me to poo-poo this stuff because I've got a full-time paid job and I don't have time. I don't have time to do anything. When I was unemployed and depressed about it and looking around and feeling like the people who were employed were better than me kind of thing, that was like self-pity. But if there are people out there who, let's say, like you were saying, that they're, they're an ordained priest and the priesthood thing didn't work out in the usual channels, and they're trying to find a way to turn that around, if it's for good stuff, then maybe I just need to be a little easier about that. You know, maybe they're leading retreats for people for whom that brand of spirituality or religion works. And who am I to say? Yeah. Um, that said, I'm still probably going to be just as snarky as the last time. <laughs> but but it's true. I mean, maybe they are honestly trying to make something good in the world. It's just they, they need to tone down the, the glitz maybe or something. Okay. Good topic, Liz. We could Thanks. go on and on, but we would get canceled eventually. <laughs> we kept going. Uh, I have a B for Betsy. Oh, Lord. All right. So I struggled with this topic uh, because I'm not a TikTok watcher. And when even with the the like celebrities that I follow on Instagram, when I see paid at the top, like in their stories, I skip it. So like I boop, boop, and I'm like skipping over it and whatever. And it's it's only like a few people that I follow will occasionally have those things, whether it's like a Padma Lakshmi or a Mindy Kaling. So I, I, I struggle with that. I've, I've kind of, I will occasionally click on like the story of like, you know, 
awesome earrings that this person wears. Cause I am still, I will, I look at people.com every day and it's like my little way to kind of stay engaged in celebrity culture. Even though, as I've said to said to you all before, I don't watch dancing with the stars and I don't watch the bachelor and I don't watch like love Island. So that like really takes out a lot of people <laughs> who are referred to by first names, like in those, in those things, in those headlines. And I don't know what things are about, but it was interesting just the other day I was saying to Greg, I'd read an article in the New York times. It was actually talking about people doing de-influencing. Mm-hmm. Did you all see that? So it's like normally influencers do like, it's all positive. Like, you know, Oh, well, this product. And I really love this. And I'm going to do a video about this lip liner and it's really great. And no, no, no. And now it's like, well, now I'm going to tell you about the things that I don't like even though that's still influence. Welcome to the first video of the new year. I'm so excited to be here, to be back. It has been several many while since I've been sitting here talking to you guys. What's up? I hope your 2023 is going well so far. For today's topic, I think this one is a really great one to begin the year with. How to tone down impulse shopping, how to be more intentional with your purchases, and the 12 shopping rules that I live by. Make sure you subscribe if you wanna see more like this. And that's up on in. First things first, I gotta know why I like it. Why do I like this piece? Why am I drawn to it? And I think even just the process of asking yourself this question, bringing that moment of awareness, really can be an entire game changer in itself. Even if you don't come up with an answer right away. A lot of shots. But it's like, I really love this makeup brand, but if it's this eyeshadow is the worst. And like, da 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 da. Yeah, this and thing like isn't going, worth it. <clears throat> negative yeah. right i mean and it was it was it was bound to become a thing so now like the kind of hashtag d influencer is trending and you can go look at people kind of bagging on things which is what the internet always does anyway the internet always eventually poops on whatever is happening and we we do that anyway but now it's influencers because they've been so reticent to do that because it might mean they lose a potential partnership with a with a product or with a you know with with a maker of some kind and so they're very reticent to give negative opinions and it only feels like positive opinions because they're being gifted things i've noticed it on tiktok the de-influencing and it is um a breath of fresh air kind of because it's usually like a person basically saying like you don't need this thing like this is not worth it like you don't need a, I don't buy, like, I don't buy those products anyway, but I do sort of long for them sometimes, mm-hmm. especially with like makeup and, um, you know, like skincare and things like that. Yes. Um, yes. so then they'll, for them to just like debunk a thing and say like, this isn't worth it. And sometimes that can be used for social good, like, um, super cheap clothing manufacturers, like that on social media, people will do a whole like haul of clothing from Shein and yeah. then they're de-influencers. Like fashion. Ex- right. Explaining like, this is a terrible company to support. And like, here's why mm-hmm. um, that <clears throat> that can be helpful. Yeah. That's Are interesting. You-, you find it refreshing. I think that's interesting mm-hmm. to me. Yeah. What were you going to say, Ricardo? Are you saying I can get paid to complain online? Are you, I mean, is that real? Like, well, the the problem is it depends on the number of followers that you have, right? That's how you can pitch yourself. Right. They're monetizing the amount of followers that they have. Who they? YouTube? The influencers. The, 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 they're monetizing two companies, two products. Oh, they're saying I have this number of followers. So I could really do something for your product. And also on TikTok, they have a creator fund where you get paid yeah. for the number of followers that you have. So the more Wait. followers you have, the more money you can make off TikTok. So yes. if I'm so if I'm Coke, then I'm paying somebody to put down Pepsi. Is that what's happening? That could be what's happening. The ones that I've seen have more been people saying like these products that lots of people are hyping on social media. I'm going to say why they're not great products. Hmm. And often it feeds into whatever products that person normally might be reviewing so that you would, if they're like makeup, potentially built some relationship with Mm -hmm. that, with them and their opinions. Wow. Wow. 
I've been influenced with makeup. I have to, I feel like I have to admit this. I'm not Mm -hmm. wearing makeup right now, but um, I started contouring because of TikTok because there are lots of videos of people just like doing their makeup and talking. Mm -hmm. And then I realized like contouring is not that hard. I can do that. I started doing Mm -hmm. it. What's contouring? It's putting different um, like tones of makeup on your face to like shape your face essentially oh like if you want like higher cheek <laughs> higher cheekbones or red that's up mainly there. it yeah yeah drag queens kind of take it to the mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. the stage makeup extreme and will sometimes be told because i'm a drag race fan that yes. they've over contoured and so but <laughs> so you gotta be careful you gotta be careful yeah, i'm very careful with my contour careful with say. the contour yeah but it is interesting like you know i think about like there's a podcast that i really like right now and they do a holiday gift guide every year and like, these are not things that they sponsor or things that sponsor them. But like, if they mention the dash egg cooker enough, you know, my sister also listens to the podcast. So that's how I got a dash egg cooker for Christmas. Mm-hmm. And I do really like it. And it's really cool. <laughs> so it's like, it's, it's just, it's, it's interesting. So kind of how you. It's because I don't know whether then that podcast has lever- now leveraged that to do some of the other things that they're doing. Like they have their own coffee. They have their own bottled um, alcoholic beverage. What podcast so that, is this? Ask Ron and Brian. And can we do it? Can we have our I mean, own alcoholic beverage? I would love it. Uh, you know, we have to come up. They the came up with the, the Negrana. Re- yeah. The advertisers that keep reaching out to us are not advertisers that we would be interested in what are they what is their product what do they want us to influence they want us to um put down other episcopal podcasts and we're just not (gasps) never they don't you are so full of it they want to start a podcast war (laughs) oh man um no, it's uh, you know, it's it's so funny because I feel like the natural evolution of the internet is that everything sucks. Like that's kind of like, mm. you know, how how ultimately everything ends up. And um, the fact that like now we've gotten to the point where we pay people to say that things suck. Like I don't know, it just makes me feel bad. <laughs> the internet, like every time I talk about the internet, I just feel worse somehow. <laughs> Well, and I hadn't thought about it in the way that Ricardo was thinking about it, that that somebody's getting paid to do nag thing oh, as opposed to, that. I don't know. I know, you'd be great. Just Sorry. film me, you know, just like camera. <laughs> <laughs> that is ugly. Let's <laughs> walk down the street. <laughs> I do think out of the three of us that Ricardo would be the best influencer. Charles Dickens influencer. No, no, no. You I li- think I think no, you're so funny. And funny. and you've got you've got a you have a very fancy <laughs> personality. You can really turn that on. Oh, are you yeah, trying I to sell us on a back scratcher right now? <laughs> no, like no, all of a sudden your audio to... changed because you're using a Ooh. back scratcher. Ooh. Wow. It's called the the cutie claw. It looks like oh it's got God. little hearts on it. You don't know whether you can see that. Yeah. So. Oh, wow. Oh, no. I just had a little. It's winter, you know. Maybe mm-hmm. I should go look for an influencer to tell me about some good body. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. What you got there, Greg? Uh, I've got an R for Ricardo. Ooh. Okay. What else could it be? Well, I feel like I've made my point. <laughs> so, influencers. So, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna use my section of the podcast to play um, dummy. I, I mean, I th- I feel like we might have some listeners who don't quite understand the topic, so I'm gonna just sort mm-hmm. of play that angle because I don't follow any influencers. I sort of know it vaguely as an idea. I think that um, I told you guys at some point that William or someone at the school where he is ask their students, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? And like a third of them says, I want to be an influencer. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. That's a career goal. And he found that so depressing. It, like you were saying earlier, Liz, I think it's, it's about being famous. I want to be famous, you mm-hmm. know, but we kind of, a lot of people do want to be famous. I don't know. I kind of do. I did. So influencers can be on TikTok. Mm-hmm. 
Is TikTok the same thing as when you go to Facebook and they have those reels where you can watch a little bit? It's very similar. And often it is exactly the same content. But yeah, it's very similar. You were talking about like TikTok and all these things have algorithms, which I believe Mm -hmm. is like they see how long you linger on a certain thing. And then they start sending you more videos like that to get you more drawn in. Well, it seems to me that that the kind of the the end of all of that is like some sort of, I mean, just speaking for myself here, some sort of shameful spiral, you know, of like all the things, you know, are bad for you, but you really want. Yes. Mm -hmm. And it is surveillance. I mean, it's also surveillance capitalism, you know, like we're, we're being surveilled. They're taking, it's not like they're actually watching us consume TikTok, but the data that they're mining is being used uh, in super sophisticated ways. And the fear being that, it will actually reduce our free will that the the it will be the algorithm will be so influential so subtly that um we it will make choices for us that we think are our own choices so i'll give two examples if i may and, and yes. these are these are humbling to me the first is that i was watching a tiktok video of a young person who described themselves as detransitioning they were they had they had transitioned gender and now we're transitioning back to their gender assigned at birth this is an exceedingly rare thing to happen to tr- for trans people it's like a very very rare experience but i watched it and was interested enough that then i watched some of their other videos and i was like oh, i've never heard a story like this before and all of a sudden i start getting a lot of videos like this and then i start thinking to myself things about God, God, it is kind of dangerous to have people like things that I don't that my more rational and experienced and educated mind about gender and about transgender people would did not align with where mm-hmm. I found my thoughts wandering. And in that moment, I realized, like, oh my God, like this is how it can happen mm-hmm. to people. A, a similar but different was with the um train derailment in um, Ohio. There are Mm -hmm. a lot of conspiracy theories surrounding that. And I totally got on that side of TikTok where all of a sudden I'm like, oh my God, our water supply is going to be damaged and we're not going to have food to eat. And the EPA is blah, blah, blah. And then I was like, what, what am I doing? Like I, I had to go read like Mm -hmm. a reputable news source to understand what the EPA was actually saying about that train derailment. So if China is truly behind this, which they are, like you can see how they could influence our elections. You can see how they can influence our um, youth. If I was, it's not like I'm the smartest person in the world or anything, but I'm fairly rational and I was easily influenced to absorb kind of political, social opinions that were not my own. It was, it was a little creepy. Yeah. Wow. Thank you for sharing that Liz, because like I, you know, I think that, I think it's easy for folks to sit in judgment of these things and think like, how in the world could somebody be influenced by blah, 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 blah. But like, it's the repetition of it. And the, the algorithm kind of is like, it's designed to figure out like what's going to be the best thing to manipulate you kind of going forward. I don't know. Well, and we probably all know people who have been radicalized in some way or another in the last um, seven years. TikTok is an aspect, like you can see how TikTok could do it. I've seen how Fox News can do it. Mm-hmm. Like if you if you expose yourself to one type of media, um, all of a sudden your worldview changes. And for young people with the internet, especially when it comes to kind of like like 4chan and you know like this was q yeah right yeah like, we've talked about it like with having you know being surrounded by you know young people all the time here that kind of how that infiltrates different things whether it's twitch or whether it's you know gaming with other people or whether we you know, whatever it may be that those things are waiting out there in particular for young white men mm-hmm. to to find to latch them to bring them in and it's this kind of, you know, this intellectualism that surrounds it. And then you suddenly you're like, oh, my goodness, I'm learning something new. I, I know things that people around me don't know. I mean, it almost reminds me of like when we talked about mystagogy, you know, in church history. It's like, you know, I have special information that you don't have. 
because I found it. I -hmm. discovered it. And there somehow you have ownership of it. Right. And it it becomes something that's, that's yours. um, That's out there. And I think that that's really scary. When young people are in the position of forming an identity, and it's not just young people, then all of a sudden you hear an opinion that is um, that sounds smart and is a little edgy and is not what the culture around you is supporting. And it's really mm-hmm. easy to be like, hold on, wait a minute. Like men oh. do need more yep. rights. Yeah. Like, no, trust yeah. me, it is, yeah, yeah. it is, it is not a far leap to go from flat earth theory to Holocaust denier. Like mm-hmm. it is like, it is easy to do that track. And that's, mm-hmm. that's the, like, that's the sin of like a 4chan or an chan. Like, you know, this idea that it just sucks you in and then perverts your brain. Usually under the guise of like humor at first, mm-hmm. right? Like, Oh, it's all funny, blah, blah, blah. And then it just like, like eventually you become, this are you like like looking there was this article about how they're having to do all this education around sexual violence and women's issues in the uk after that stupid mma fighter who you know all of his misogynist stuff and tj like kids just love him Mm because you know then you're leveraging because we could also talk about this difference what's the difference between celebrity and an influencer you know they can be one and the same or they can be different but him, you know, leveraging that and then being arrested for, you know, human trafficking, you know, Eastern Europe and, you know, and sex trafficking. And so it's like, but that they have this whole generation of boys in the UK that are just that have come up under that influence and and they're having to almost deprogram them. I mean, that's what it seems like. Totally. Well, and they've shown how YouTube, the YouTube algorithm that will do like up next videos mm-hmm. will lead you down that path, whether that it's not like it's sentient, but they will bring you into deeper and deeper. Um, I don't want to say conspiracy, although that is like, that's certainly how QAnon developed. And that that's like one parental control that parents forget to turn off on YouTube. Like if YouTube is suggesting videos for your kids to watch, the likelihood is it's going to lead them in uh, in the direct the the path that Greg just described. It's totally possible that all of a sudden your kid is like, "But what? How do we know the Holocaust is real?" Like wow. if you if you start by thinking like oh, maybe the moon landing was a hoax, right? All like it just it isn't it doesn't take that long to get there mm-hmm. yep it's moon landing denver airport flat earth <laughs> it's awesome. 9-11 <laughs> mm-hmm. denver at the airport oh the denver airport you haven't heard this one no secret illuminati symbols hidden in plain sight underground tunnels that double as bomb-proof layers for our reptilian overlords and a demonic looking blue stallion that well, actually did technically kill someone. Oh, plus an Annie Ann's pretzels. Yum. The Denver International Airport isn't just the biggest airport in the United States. It's a hotbed for some of the most batshit bonkers conspiracy theories on the internet. Make sure your seat backs and tray tables are in their upright and locked positions. And place your tinfoil hats securely on your heads. February 28th. Hey Siri, show me a picture of the demon horse at the Denver airport. <gasps> right? Uh-oh. Oh. Wild looking, right? It just looks like a like a stallion. But look at the atomic mm. bomb cloud it's behind. Not like no. What well, clouds bad. look like it's out here? It's got like demon eyes. No, you need to see a close up picture. What's called Lucifer, <laughs> the demon horse. <laughs> Beware of Lucifer. Oh, cuz it's in blue. Wait, now there's another thing I could link to about. <laughs> exactly. And so it begins. Yep. Uh, wow. Um, okay. Okay. So that was my share. Thank you very much. Thank, Thank you. you. Have y'all, uh, have y'all s- used a uh, chat GPT yet? No, I oh. haven't downloaded it yet. That It just makes me so depressed. Yeah. I just put in, can you write a 1200 word sermon for an Episcopal high school audience on Matthew 4, 1 through 11? How did they do it? It's it's writing it right now. 
Here we go. Here we go. Here's some chat GPT. It's essential to understand that Jesus' temptation in the wilderness was not a random event or a coincidence. It was a critical moment in his life that tested his faith, obedience, and commitment to God. In a similar way, we face various forms of temptation trials every day. It tests our faith and character. Some of those temptations may be small, like lying, cheating, or gossiping, while others might be more significant, like drugs, alcohol, or sexual promiscuity. However, regardless of the size or nature of our temptations, we must remember that God is always with us, and that we can always turn to him for strength and guidance. Not bad. I I have to say, that was actually like some sermons I've heard, but they're so bland. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it sounds like a new preacher's sermon. Like, yeah. uh, it sounds like yes. your first. That has sermon. that has no personality. Whatsoever. There's a lot of quoting of of stuff in here. How many but priests do you think are doing this right now? The reason, and you can put this in the podcast. The reason I think that priests are not using this right now is that every priest thinks that they're a great preacher. Oh God! So they're not. So they're not going to let go of the of it being their own work. Yeah. Betsy, can I use your in a box story from the beginning of this podcast? Because that was really funny. Do you so, really want to use it? Sorry. Uh, maybe I need to cut it. It was really funny, though. I don't um, know what it says about this topic that we're talking about. Did we do all I'm, four of us, or do you still need to go, right? No, I still have to go. Uh, um, I'm fine if you keep the, the in the box story okay. in the podcast. I get I permission. Take- the <laughs> I don't know. We'd we tend to say we it's tend, explicit. We'd have to. Do we tend it. not to use. We we can bleep it. We can bleep it. I think you said poop a lot. Yeah, <laughs> a lot. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! I don't ever like, want to do this. I don't this ever. What want I envision is it's ingenious. And that little box mascot is staring up at me. You want him <laughs> and to? I'm like, all right. I'm gonna. He isn't, he isn't really, I mean, I didn't even get like a free toy in it for like of the, of the Kologar guy. Like it's like a cereal thing. That's oh, wow. too bad. Hey, Betsy, you could, be a, you could be a colonoscopy box influencer. That's right. Oh, I could. I guess I need to reach out to Kologar. We've given them so much publicity. <laughs> have, we need to reach out to them to see if they want to sponsor this episode. Yeah. Um. Okay, so I am last and honestly i don't have a whole lot to say about influencer culture i'm not on social media really at all um but i do have a lot to say about content creator culture which is like you know because this is the world that we live in of like podcasts and sort of stuff like this um and so youtube is very much in my wheelhouse you know i've started to notice that like my girls like when they watch tv what they mean is like watching youtube videos Mm -hmm. like they don't think of like tv as like as a matter of fact we were watching pluto tv the other day which is like old school cable television really you know with like the guide and you just kind of scroll through and like find whatever you want to watch on the channel and then it has like commercial breaks and stuff and they were like mesmerized they were like oh my god i didn't didn't know tv could be like this you know (laughs) Um, so there's a generation of kids who, for them, like YouTube is TV. Like that's, that's what TV is. And so as like a lovely way, as like a fun way to wrap this up, there's a YouTuber that I love, um, that I'm going to talk about. His name is Efren Gonzalez. He is based out of Miami. I think that he was involved in commercial production or something like that. Anyway, in 2017, he walked the Camino. And filmed it. And he took a drone with him to like get like drone shots of the different towns that you walk through and stuff like that. But he did a vlog for each day that he did the Camino. And he got known as sort of the drone guy and like all of this stuff as he was walking. And I guess he had such a good time that then he ended up walking the Via Francigena, which goes from Canterbury to Rome, right? Like that's a legit pilgrimage that's like 60 days you know to get that far and stuff and then he walked like you know a bunch of other like spanish caminos and then he did like the way of saint francis and then he did i think the shikoku or he's going to do the shikoku or something like that he just like it's this guy who started with this one series where he was going back to spain because he's cuban 
and his uh, family was from Spain. And so he's going back to Spain on his 30th birthday to sort of trace back his ancestral roots. And he discovered this passion and love for pilgrimage. And now that's his life is he just travels around doing pilgrimages. Hello, my beautiful people from the internet. Today, it is day 10, the last day on this Camino Frances 2.0. Today, we're gonna reach Santiago de Compostela. It's gonna be a hot day, it's gonna be a great day, and we're about to start right now. And we are back in the eucalyptus forest that I love so much for the last stretch. Today is gonna be the last of everything. We're going slow because of course we got a few uh, wounded soldiers here, taking our times, making our way, bar hopping all the way to Santiago. Don't have to worry about, you know, getting there today too late because I already have my hotel booked. I booked also the bus ride to, to Leon tomorrow and I already have the place where I'm staying in Leon uh, tomorrow. So all I have to do now is just sit back, relax, do a little bar hopping on our way to Montes de Gozo. I also have to buy the bottle of red wine that we're gonna use to celebrate once we make it to the cathedral. And as we get there, we're gonna relive our trip one stamp at a time. Andiamo. He just does these walks and does like this gorgeous photography to go with it so that if you're watching it, like you're just totally kind of swept up in it, like the romanticism of it and stuff like that. And it just strikes me that there are really talented people out there that are just expressing their loves and passions in life. And, you know, for as bad as these platforms can be sometimes, sometimes they can be a real expression of creativity and passion and like all of the things that make humanity great in the way that it just shares like what's out there in the world with other people. And so I just, I love this channel. I'm still watching this channel. Like he's doing an e-bike, you know, version of the Camino now, uh, which is really cool um, to watch. He did the Appalachian Trail, uh, which I watched with my girls. Um, and we started calling him Hiker Guy. And they would <laughs> be like, oh, when are we going to watch a Hiker Guy video and stuff? So like, I don't know, like, I, I um it's a really simple one. I don't think that there's a whole lot to say about it except that I'm glad that videos like this exist. And I'm glad people like this exist and I'm glad a platform like this exists for these people to use. So That uh, sounds awesome. Yeah. I would totally watch that. That's kind of nice for people who are maybe I don't know, they're like I'm too old to walk the Camino, but look, I can sort of experience it. Yeah. Yeah, it is a little bit like that. Yeah, where you can because he talks about like what he's feeling, what he's going through, like all of that stuff, but but also like what's surprising and who are the people that he met. Yeah, it so it does have a little vicarious kind of nature to it. Yeah, the way that What's his name again? Efren, E F R E N Gonzalez. Yeah, it's really fascinating. But I mean, again, like it's just one of these things where it's like for all of the bad things, I think that it's important to lift up some of the good things that these platforms do. You know, I I, I struggle with the Internet. I just think that most days I think it's the worst thing that ever happened to human humanity. And then sometimes I'm like, but then I would never know about x y or z i would never be able to check in with you guys once a month like you know it's like you you start to think like i guess there's a balance to all of this but sometimes it's hard it's hard to see the balance i never would have learned about belucifer the demon horse at the denver <laughs> my new favorite thing uh, yes I think i'm gonna name my next dog belucifer oh my that. god well, this has been another episode of Popping Collars. Thank yes. you for um, going on this freewheeling journey with us as we talked about influencing and influencers. We hope that we've influenced you to explore the spirituality of pop culture, to make meaning out of media. And that's the most influencing we could ever hope for in this context do you want chat gpt to write this outro for you oh my gosh <laughs> betsy will you ask chat gp to write an outro for an episcopal okay. pop culture podcast okay hold on do they know what outro means
hours later. And okay. now for an outro provided by a chat bot. And that concludes another episode of our Episcopal Pop Culture Podcast. We hope you enjoyed exploring the intersection of faith and pop culture with us today. As always, we encourage you to continue the conversation on social media using oh, our yeah. hashtag and sharing your no, own perspectives and insights. We love hearing from our listeners and value your feedback and ideas for future episodes. Remember, the world of pop culture is constantly evolving, and we look forward to exploring new topics and themes with you in the future. Until next time, may God bless you and keep you, and we'll see you again soon on the Episcopal Pop Culture Podcast. Oh, my God. Wow. Totally didn't say anything about EpiscopalJournal.org. It didn't. Or PoppingColorsPodcast.com. But... We look forward to connecting with you in the future and keep those May colors popping. <laughs> you know, that chat thought was more religious than we are. God that bless you. I mean, you ever it, say that? You and it keep broke you. out much God more. Bless. Yeah, that's how we know. I mean, I that could it was have been even GPT. more specific, right? The like, chatbot's faith is stronger than ours. Like, <laughs> oh my gosh. The chatbot yeah. loves Jesus. <laughs> Wow. 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 What okay. an outro. Uh-